Good day, and welcome to Far Reaches. We are four people from similar parts of the world who have wound up chasing different dreams and living different lives. We are Richard, Raleigh, Joel, and Micah. Richard and Micah are from Southeast Oregon, from two small ranching communities known as Pine Creek and Plush. Raleigh and Joel are from Northeast Oregon, from the Pendleton area. We met through college, mutual friends, and heard of stories of each other. Somehow wound up being at the same place at the same time. See, we live and work in different parts of the U.S. now and have all taken different paths to get to where we are. We all talk separately and live far apart. So we decided we should try and talk more together. We hope you come along and enjoy. And a good day to you. Yes, I usually say how your mom and them, but this is 2021. This is officially season two of the Far Reaches podcast. So I thought let's shift it up a little bit. Let's give it a good day. We'll try that for a while. Welcome to the Far Reaches podcast. We are all here, full reacher effect, if you will. Myself, Micah Wells, Mr. Joel Curran, Richard Bradbury, and the one and only in the Far Reaches of Oregon himself, Raleigh Bigsby. We are the Reachers. All of our friends are called uh, the Reachers also, I think, if we want to really get technical about it. Uh, the Reacheroos, the Reacheronies. So we kind of change it up. We got to keep it shifting. So this is uh, January. Nothing's really been going on, so we didn't even know if we really should have a podcast. We thought, you know, it's been kind of slow, but we should just come on and say hi anyways and and keep the family and the, the, the friends and all our fans happy. So here we are, first part of January 2021. Of course, it's much better year so far than that hellacious 2020. So uh, we got that going for us as well, uh, you know, which is nice. So uh, we were chatting a little bit before we came on live here, and uh, Joel was dragging ass, and we almost left him behind on the very first episode. And uh, Joel, what the hell were you doing, man? Uh, Flint Rasmussen does a <clears throat> like a live stream every week. It's a pretty Thank entertaining you. show. He records it. Go to his Facebook page, and you can. Watch it, it's good. Let's check it out. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Is he just jump on and just talk about stuff? Yeah, you know, I think what he did is started well partway through COVID. I think he started it, um, because he wasn't on the road at PBR events, so he started doing a weekly podcast. But now he's like going back out, so he's gonna stop again for a while. Oh, well, have to catch some of those up. That'd be fun. (laughs) I I want to provide a little color commentary for our just uh audio listeners. Be wonderful. I don't know what happened when Micah got the COVID shot, but he's got some serious Benjamin Button stuff going on. I think he's like <laughs> decreased in age six years since he got this haircut. <laughs> the haircut <laughs> does help. Yes. Uh, it's all a tremendous weight has been lifted off my shoulders for one. It, it did look like somebody shot Bigfoot uh, when I got out of the barber chair. Uh, so <laughs> probably it uh, like, put like the warranty. Go to the cigar bar. <laughs> uh, thus, the obnoxious facial hair is still in place. Uh, I'd be seven if I didn't have a mustache right now. I'd be like, hey, mister, can I get a pop? Yeah, it'd be uh, entertaining for sure. I think uh, you probably ruin the barber's uh, clippers. She might have to get another set when I go back. She'll probably charge me double next time. But it was a tremendous day indeed when I finally got my hair cut again. Uh, I still do kind of wear my, my watch cap around just because I kind of got like a you know, kind of a security blanket effect, but I thought it'd go, you know, natural hair 
this evening. And so, uh, yeah, thanks for pointing that out, Richard. It's, uh, it's tough getting younger uh, every year. So the reboots are getting worse and worse, man. <laughs> it's you guys that keep me young and spry. Yeah. So. For those of you listening, you should give a chance every once in a while uh, if you want to put this for, you know, to go check it out on uh, on the YouTube. This is uh, all four of us on video. We are Zooming. And so you get to see some of the places we live and what we look like in our spare time. Uh, it's also something you could just put on play and leave in the front window and nobody will come in the house if we're on the screen. So it's, it's a tremendous uh, deterrent as well. But you go check out our YouTube channel. It's Far Reaches Podcast. Uh, you can get there from our Facebook page as well. It'll take you right to our YouTube channel. And also, of course, if, if you're more of a, you know, not much of a looker and you like to listen, then you can find all our podcasts also at uh, anywhere that podcasts are found, be it Spotify or iHeartRadio or the Apple or wherever you want to go. So you got another suggestion for where we can post this thing, let us know. We'll go check it out. But we're going to kick off again pretty much the same format as, as season one. We'll start with some weekly updates so everybody can kind of get a sense of what the hell we've been up to. And it's sometimes a good reminder for us also what the hell we've been up to. So, uh, Joel, you're looking casual and sort of GQ-ish uh, with your pullover and your cowboy hat. Why don't you uh, give us your update again, sir? Well, I want to introduce the concept. We've been kicking around the idea, but... Uh we'll we'll start branding our our segments and this will be the i'll kick off the weekly far reaches reach around oh the outstanding yes yeah both chicken chicken charge a hands-on approach to the far reaches reach around (laughs) it's a round robin event absolutely we all gather around and get our reach on and so uh perfect let's start the reach around yeah uh so as you can see kind of i'm back in new york um Last time we talked, I was, I was in, down in Florida. I had a good time golfing and hanging out for the holidays. Went to a, a comedy show in Tampa oh, on yes. uh, New, New Year's Eve. I went and saw Mark Norman. He's a, he's a really good up-and-coming comic. He's known as uh, Jerry Seinfeld's favorite new comic. Oh, wow. Uh, he's really funny. So he did a full hour at this comedy club in Tampa. The crazy thing about it down there is just like how much people aren't taking like basic precautions, you know, like nobody's wearing a mask, packed, shoulder to shoulder, sitting next to strangers. Um, we walked walked back to the hotel on 7th Avenue in the Wyboard neighborhood of Tampa. Like, it's where like all the clubs and shit are, but thousands of people in the middle of the street winding our way through there it was like letter buckram um yeah since then i just uh, you know got back to town i i made it up to the upper east side this weekend hadn't been in the city for a long time so pretty good contrast florida where everybody's just kind of like yeah fuck you and the general sense of what's going on in nyc and how that difference is uh there's still like in new york there's like a nobody's like yelling at me or anything well i keep a mask on all the time um almost all the time people yell at you all the time anyways i think that's pretty much normal (laughs) (laughs) yeah just randomly getting yelled at on the that was before covid Uh, that's what happened all the time so now there's just another excuse i never figured out why they're yelling at me but they do uh i got some notes for you yeah Yeah, there's just like a general sense just based on how 
90, 99% of the people are wearing like a mask outside and uh, everything's closed down, like as far as bars and restaurants are concerned. Um, some have these like really shitty shacks set up out on the street. Uh, oh. But right now it's so cold and they got these cheap little heaters. That wouldn't work. Um, I went to a good one this weekend though on the Upper East Side. Um, but there's not many of those. The, I don't know, you feel like an obligation and guilted into complying and being a good little boy that follows rules. I don't want to, and I just do it because I don't want to make other people mad or uncomfortable. But uh, in Florida, yeah. like inside some places, they're like, hey, could you put a mask on? I got a question, Joel. Okay. Yeah. What, what's up? What is New York's stance on open carry? <laughs> like a like a beer? No, like, a no like a pistol on your hip. Yeah, I think it's definitely oh. against it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I I don't think it's even possible to get it to get a carry license. I think you have to give the governor a hand job to even get in line to get an application to get a carry license. I've heard, what is that? That's called a concealed carry. Concealed, yeah. well, Those no, are like, I'm just talking about open like, carry. Well, yeah, two things. But yeah, you can't even have a weapon oh. legally of any sort in the, in New York. Well, I don't I don't understand the open carry law. Open carry is like, it's not concealed. By right? default legal, right? That's like oh. more legal than yeah. concealed. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Because that it's seems not backwards to me for some reason. Well, you're not hiding it. It's it's in the open. That's the whole point about it. Is like I'm open carrying this weapon. Like, you know, I, I for some reason people think that's that's. Um, well, more, it makes people nervous. It's more fair, like, I suppose. It makes, yeah, it makes some people nervous to see a fucking dude walking around with a gun strapped to his waist. Um, I know, a, like AR over my shoulder, you know, because that's how like, I don't like, carry. Yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm pro gun. I want a gun. I would like to get one here. Uh -huh. um, but even like when I was in Pennsylvania, I saw like a guy across the sidewalk and on Main Street, strapped with a pistol, and I'm like, it, I, I didn't think he was going to turn around and start shooting me, but uh, I can, I could definitely see how that would make people uncomfortable like just hide it just like if you just have it well, hidden that, but that's illegal yeah Unless i know have, that's bullshit i think it's backwards i think it's backwards unless you're in wyoming yes. yeah it doesn't matter and it's mandatory yeah but but so here i would like to a get cop, a, gun. a cop packing a gun that doesn't bother no, you no they don't no they don't have guns cops don't carry guns not in new york city not in manhattan oh bullshit <laughs> Yeah, I could. Uh, like, nothing's too fucking crazy anymore to be like, yeah, they probably have uh, rainbow spray or fucking glitter or something for all I know. Yeah. Well, dude, you walk like, walk through, like Grand right Central belt. Station. It looks like you have like the 19th Infantry in Grand Central. I bet. Like, yeah. Fucking guns crossed over their chest. I'll spray you with stripper dust. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Give you instant daddy issues and uh, never mind. Sorry, I'm going down the wrong track. But. Uh, are you guys talking about 19th Infantry or something? No, we're just oh. talking about random. Hey. Freaking Don't make me break out the drag queen dust. <laughs> I'm serious. You get sprayed with it? You just start dancing? Is that what happens? Yeah. <laughs> that way they can apprehend you. 
speaking of New York City, though, and the difference between Florida and New York is Florida, you got DeSantis down there. I feel like he's getting treated really unfairly by the media. Um, then you have Cuomo, who's fucked up at every turn of this whole thing and is praised, wrote a book about it, about yeah. how to manage a pandemic and published artwork with a mountain to, I guess, literally define the uh, the peak of the COVID crisis. And then he's, he's such a connected piece of shit. But he finally tweeted yesterday that he, he did a state of the state address virtually. So he tweeted out that, uh, we really need to open up New York because if we wait much longer, there's not going to be anything to open up. Hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Epiphany. Yeah. Just I about a year. eight months ago, man. Like, yeah. like the fact that we ever that shot after the election. Down. Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. If he's, we're shifting gears now. They're shifting. If he's right. Shifting gears. If You're he's totally right, right that there's nothing going to be left, maybe we should just go ahead and keep it shut down. <laughs> Raleigh, all those yeah. people are going to go somewhere else. They might go to Northeast Oregon. Keep them where Keep they're them at. All. Keep them on the island. Yeah. You're right, Joel. Yeah, you elections like, pretty much change now, so we can kind of go back to normal. Yeah. Surprise. Yeah. I feel yeah. like just... Go ahead, Richard. God. I feel like Cuomo's doing a dry run to be a Bond villain. <laughs> he's got nipple, it. Nipple studs and everything. Yeah, yeah. he's got it. He's got that look about him, yeah, and his little, his little minion brother that runs around too, yeah. What kind of shit is that? But um, yeah, the the two two other things. So to Raleigh's point, keep it shut down. There's the big thing that's been bothering me all week is that I think like the Pittsburgh or something Fed chair said we ought to like now's the time we really consider universal basic income. I don't know how I feel about that exactly, but what it means spend more money let's create more money but then the biden's announced several trillion more dollars in stimulus to come plus the fact that it's made the news lately that uh 22 of all u.s dollar ever created in the history of the united states was created this year jeez and rice and with several trillion more to come it's, it's going to be like 40 50 percent of all money ever made Will have been made in one year like well, your dollar is worthless but on the good side your debt is meaningless now so well, that's there's uh, they still keep picking my money every month though so that's the problem with that um yeah bitcoin man yeah i know i know i uh i owned a pretty decent amount of that when it was like three grand um <laughs> of course i sold it for some random reason and now it's worth 30 so <laughs> That'll learn me. 40. Yeah, it's 40 now. Yeah, I stopped looking at 30. So, um, yeah. We'll, we'll know. First Bitcoin I ever bought was $27. Do <laughs> you still have it? That's on the show. Hell no. No. I, fre I freaked out when it, I freaked out when it, I freaked out when it hit 1100. I was like, oh, this is a bubble. <laughs> This will be this, you know, we, we give our parents shit all the time. Like, why didn't you do X? Well, you know, you know, like at the time, you know, and now 10 years from now, we're like, I can't believe you could have got Bitcoin when it's 40,000. Yeah. So yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. Don't, don't kick yourself in the butt 10 years yeah. from now when you could have had it at 40. 
Yeah. Go like buy, go buy some. I probably shall. Yes, I probably shall. So, uh, uh, any more uh, from your part of the reach around, Joel? No, no. That's off to a good start. I'll give you that. Good start. I'm the first one finished from the reach around. Wow. Congratulations. And Richard's glasses are fogging up, so we'll go to him next. <laughs> oh, we're still trying to get our timber uh, work done. So that's, uh, yeah, yeah. We've, we've been at it, trying to market the last little bit of the cows. Um, um, what else? Real estate is crazy. Yeah. So booming. That, Just booming out there. Yeah. I think we have, uh, as of, offer i wrote today we have one house and what did the market yeah and uh still have two hundred fifty thousand pieces of property selling christmas valley but we'll get through those Ooh, so. well i could use some i might need an organ residency at some point yeah yeah <laughs> i need some land in wyoming um, yeah yes um, what else? I'm going to go uh, substitute teach in Maydale School tomorrow, so that's always tough. Oh, awesome. Uh, what, what, uh, what are you in? What grade, what subject, what's, what's going on there? Um, I think we're third through sixth or seventh there. So, so it's general, general studies then, right? So you All the subjects. It. Yeah. Yeah, I'm this basically there to relearn math at the basic level. I'm, yeah. So <laughs> I uh, I have to pay really close attention to some of the smarter girls in the class because uh, I'd have to cheat if we did a test. Just got to be one lesson ahead. That's all. Yeah. The request has been that I bring the border collie dog. He's more popular than I am, so I I like Cleary's crowd. So we'll take Twitch with us and um. No, it's really fun to go back and the funny thing is that they all the kids know me so well that they call me Richard all day. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Richard. I was like Yeah, I was like, let's not fight this. It's not it's uh it's not really worth it. And I just don't want to come across with you like an asshole when I have to see them two days later just doing regular ranch stuff. So <laughs> but uh, we're down to one store still complying. Uh, so, but I have to say, I uh, Raleigh's wife has been uh, Facebooking her adventures in California, and it gets a lot of questions for me. So, um, they seem to be having hell down there. I don't know if it went through rural America and or we have a better immune system but it seems like the urban areas are just getting the crap kicked out of them with the COVID thing. So I uh, sympathize with his wife and uh, I think it's really nice that she's gone down there and taken on that. Uh, that's a really tough job. So uh, Fully that's the kind of uh, healthcare workers. Oh, I think it's amazing that that's a, that's a huge commitment. So anyways, just have to put a shout out for Mrs. Bigsby. That's about all I got. I still appreciate that. Well, let's transition to Mr. Balls then after that great introduction from Richard. 
Raleigh, what the hell's going on, man? Well, um, it's wintertime in Wallowa County, and just feeding cows and trying to get other odd jobs done while Kel's gone. Um, it's 40 got... below, and I don't give a fuck, and I'm off to the rodeo. That song just <laughs> popped in my head when you talked about Wallowa <laughs> County. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah the, um, my uh, cousin's boy, my second cousin, I guess he'd be, is up here for a couple of days he's a student at blue mountain and they're all on uh, lockdown for return back from from uh, christmas break and so he's doing doing a little working on the side here and studying abroad since they don't have classes and uh of course kill like richard said's in california and, and uh, on a covid detail out of sacramento there um it's a pretty Everything I gather, I don't get to talk to her much. I think she's had had anywhere between twelve and sixteen hour shifts. So um, she she did she was off for a couple of days and was scheduled to go back, but she was exposed to COVID, so they had to run a test on her and find out if she's uh, infected or not. And um, which she can't go back until they find out. So she's on paid leave for a couple of days here until she finds out. So. Uh, How long is she going to be down there? Uh, it's a four-week gig. She'll be done at the end of the month. So, um, she, uh, she's That's tied true. down. I would think that every day you'd assume you'd be exposed to COVID. Well, yes. Well, the interesting part is, is um, she works for a satellite company, basically, that uh, a contract company. And so the policies are different through that company as they are if you were actually employed by the the hospital where she's working so she file has to follow a different set of guidelines as i understand it mm -hmm. and so and that's one of the issues they've had is and that's why they're needing so many travel nurses right now is they are having to bring people back that have been infected within the hospital because they don't have the numbers and, and the staff to, to meet the needs. And so they're trying to fill as many of these positions with travel people, but the travel people have a different policy on which they can work under. So. Gotcha. Thank you for yeah, addressing that. Cause yeah, that seems to be a, obviously that's the biggest concern I think anybody would have in doing that job is about potential. So. Yeah. And they're there. It's not just the, um, the staffing issues as i understand it resource wise um she was explaining that to me yesterday that it's it's resources all the way around from ppe to to uh, um, ventilators to bed space in general they're just getting overwhelmed in these higher populated densely populated areas um but it and, and i don't think it's so much isolated necessarily to to california per se i think a lot of urban areas right now are 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 uh, catching the what they what they're calling the the Christmas um, effect, and so everybody that gathered at Christmas they had a deal after Thanksgiving a couple weeks later where the hospitals were packed, and now after Christmas a couple weeks later the hospitals are packed. So they're anytime they're getting these close knit gathering of folks around family or events or whatnot in major proportions like Christmas, this is the ramification of it with that disease. Um, I think she said they have a 200 beds in that hospital and over a hundred of them are filled, filled with COVID patients. So 
um, but you know, based on, and I, like I said, I haven't got to communicate much with her, but based on what the pictures that she's posted and whatnot, and knowing my wife, um, the emotions are running high based on what she's seeing. So it's probably not the best situation in there. And all I know is that she's, she highly encourages anybody to avoid if you can, because it's not a place anybody wants to go be in that hospital. So, and I'm sure of, yeah, it's probably like a, a modern mash unit. Well, and that's what I compared it to with her is a mash unit. I mean, they're, they're uh, getting hit with a lot of, a lot of hit from a lot of directions with people in there. So, but, but that's kind of the update on where she's at. And as far as things go here, it's just uh, pitching hay to cows and trying to enjoy the good days of getting stuff done. And when the weather's really shitty and finding things to do around the house in my spare time. So it's just basically holding down the fort. So. Well, I think I, I still think it's a, oh, go ahead, Mr. Joel. I apologize. I, was, I, was, I still think it's a hoax and I think she's, spreading fake news <laughs> <laughs> you know it, it, and it's and and i don't think you're isolated in thinking something along those lines because the the it's reality well i know that but the reality of it is is this thing has been politicized to the extent that and used for political purposes that people are gonna think it's it, it isn't that serious and and a lot of people who have had it like yourself you know, you survived it fine and didn't have an issue with it. But the the people that have extenuating circumstances and OCPD are, you know, all the not OCPD, but the COPD, COPD. Yeah. Um, you done with OPP? They're uh, they have a lot of complications from it, and and it just and it's affecting certain people different. So yeah, um, yeah for sure. Yeah. It's a. Uh, you know, it's a virus that's definitely something to pay attention to. However, it's easy, it's easy to overlook it. <laughs> Richard, are you okay? Trying to fucking juggle some wet cougars and chainsaws and china plates or something. Richard, we can hear you. Cheese and rice. I'm so making a cocktail, uh, damn it. Yeah. Well, what, what are you in the mix? Is there, are you in the blender? Is that where you're at? He has one of those big blocks of ice that he has to Apparently, chop off out yeah, there. Yeah, like a piece of chain and an old uh, rusty I, hammer. And yeah. my, Still got a nice guy. I am I am Dick Bradbury's son. <laughs> well, there's that also, yes. You can make more noise doing something simple. Of course, it's not 4 o'clock in the morning, so uh, I'm a little confused, but you're, you're training. It's okay, yeah. So, great. Here, to... listen to this. Ooh, I like the sound of that, yeah. Probably hit himself in the eye with a cork. Yeah. If he's not already, Richard is someday going to be the the dad that's like, close the door. You're letting all the hot air out. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. He, it'll be random. Yeah. It'll be, it'll well, be Richard eyes. So it'll be a little. You're letting all the cold air in or something. It's going to be just a little yeah. bit different because it's Richard. You know. So. Creating a little mini hurricane in our doorway. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not cutting firewood to heat the whole damn outside. You know, yeah. It'll be twice. Uh, You'll be the one that's maybe just sits there real kind of quiet and be like, eh. Yeah. And you, you'll know you done screwed up too. So, yeah, it's. Well, Micah, what's. Uh... Have you ever known me to be quiet? No. Only when you're in a coma in the back of a pickup. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hell. Well, Micah, what's. Uh... 
shaking in your world. Uh, I'm having a flashback to Bradbury on one of the most famous field trips of all time. Um, but uh, personally, uh, I got uh, struck down with the vertigo over the holidays, and that's the weirdest shit I've ever been involved in in my entire life. I, I always kind of thought it was like when you got up on a ladder and you got like scared of heights. It turns out it's just your internal uh, ear system going through a blender while in a dryer. And so, uh, yeah, I was basically like flat for like two days because I couldn't even open my eyes and focus because they were just going in circles. And I was uh, puking up my toenails. I was so nauseous. Um, how, how do you get that? You get like some of that pool water in your Not been that deep in the pool yet. It'll still shrivel your pod to a severe degree. Um, I, I had, I think I started with an ear infection and then it, it gets these crystals get in your, in your ocular canal or whatever the hell it's called. And it causes your system to go wonky. And so I finally was able to focus enough and did the teledoc thing on my phone. And the doc did some tests uh, with me, like laying, putting my head this way or that way and laying around and figured out that it was on my left side. And so it gave me some exercises to do to help alleviate it and to get the, the stuff flowing cor- correctly again. And so uh, today is definitely the most human I have felt in probably two weeks. Um, it makes you tired. And you're like, I just like walking around like completely hammered at all times, but it just sort of comes and goes. So the, the, the second day I had it, I had to take my trash out and I ate shit in the yard twice uh, with a two by four as a cane to get back to the house. So, and that was right around New Year's. Well, it would have been the day before New Year's Day. Yeah. So I wheeled my trash can out and I'm like, whoa, you know, all over the driveway and I get it out to the curb and I'm like, I grabbed a, about a four foot piece of two by four when I went out the garage because I'm like, I got to get back to the house somehow. So I'm in like my jammies, you know, and my slippers because I hadn't even hardly slept at all. And so I, uh, I come back and I've got my two by four and I'm trying to like, balance myself and I eat shit in the yard on one side of it and just completely tuck and roll header. So I crawl around and find my two by four and I stand back up and I do the whole, but it, but it, but it, but it across the driveway into the other side of the yard over by the banana trees, eat shit over there. Luckily, it was at somewhat of an angle towards the house. So the next one, I just kind of crashed into the garage into my shelving and stumbled into the house. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure the neighbors are like, that guy is just crazy. Yeah. Imagine if you're a tourist and you're in Florida for the first time and you happen yeah. upon this scene. Yeah, it's 645. <laughs> you just watch this guy. Like, what is this guy doing? It's the day before New Year's. I'm in my jammies and my fuzzy <laughs> slippers just eating shit in the yard. He's like, yeah, that guy started already. Like, woo! Yeah, so, uh, yeah, but I had trouble focusing my eyes. You know, that's the big thing. And they, they still kind of go like that. But today I felt, I felt much more close to human, but I've, uh, I've actually contacted a local doc and of course they're all really busy. So I'm getting a, a teledoc appointment with, with them too, but, uh, probably it'll go away by then, but I still want to go check it all out. But yeah, anyway, so that's been part of the fun, uh, moved into my new house on the 15th. So we're working through some of that stuff. And then, um, there's a day job I have too, which has been kicking back off again. Uh, so I've been keeping myself occupied, uh, with that also. So just, little projects and uh you know the other day you know like when you get a house like shit just like leads and then like nine other things because like i was going to put a new garbage disposal in because my other one died you know naturally because i just bought my house uh and so then like well i better you know 
There's an old shitty faucet. I'll probably change that too. And then to get to change the faucet, it's all old. Like it's like a 1984 house, original faucet and sink. And so, you know, you're up on your head underneath the cabinet and like, well, I got to take this freaking sink out. It's really the only way to get the faucet off. So by the time I get that all done, the back of the sinks broke off because it's so freaking old. I'm like, well, shit, now I got to buy a new sink. So then I had to go back to Lowe's. So, you know, it turned into a two day deal and I had no sink overnight because by the time I got it all done, Lowe's was closed. Anyways, uh, I got a really nice new kitchen sink, faucet and garbage disposal. <laughs> so <laughs> it's just, it's like pulling on thread, you know, and you start pulling on it and then shit, you know, you're naked. So uh, I'm trying to be cautious and not get too, too deep in uh, these <laughs> random stupid ass projects. So I've got a whole list of stupid things I've already done, but anyways, that's been the main thing. So recovering from the, um, the uh, whatever I had with my vertigo. Vertigo, thank you. I can't want to say Valerio, but I don't know what the hell Valerio is. So obviously it's Venere into my venereal. Venereal, that's what it is. I probably have gonocephal herpalades. So that's what it is. Yeah. Venereal disease. Could be temporary. Yeah. It's a temporary venereal disease. It's not like like herpes, it's like luggage and shit. Yeah, it's just temporary. So um, yeah. So that's our little, uh... hey, hey, you know what happened to me today too is uh so as everybody knows i have a new job and so i'm still getting used to that and i had a one-on-one -on -one with my manager oh. <laughs> yeah i had a one-on-one -on -one with my manager oh outstanding today. i like one-on-ones it, it was meant to like a get to know each other type of thing because we hadn't done that yet and uh Somehow we got on the topic of politics a little bit, like talking about the capital shit and stuff. And just to demonstrate, and I'm not saying like, well, she she asked me after I told her my background, she's like, I assume you're probably a Donald Trump supporter. And I was like, oh, uh -oh here we go. Oh, you're I, I know she is a pretty liberal person. You can just tell. Um, so I, I was very nervous to get into such a discussion, which is like really interesting because like a lot of people, probably a lot of people that will listen to this don't maybe don't quite understand how real that is. And like, no, it's exceptionally real. Yeah. So, I mean, I didn't lie. I was like, no, I didn't vote for him because I, di I didn't vote for him, but I didn't vote at all. But um, it, I felt like, the way things go maybe we can talk about this later on but the way things are right now like i was like nervous like if i don't know how she's gonna react i'm gonna be fired here pretty soon obviously you're unstable yeah yeah like poor choices you know you can't be trusted for sure um yeah yeah it's uh yeah but that conversation you don't want to have to have especially got into it. so did you feel like that oh go ahead that's not even a professional question to ask somebody 100 yeah, percent. well she kind of asked it she's like wait I'm, I'm not allowed to ask this and i'm like no no it's fine i don't i don't care about that hr stuff that much I to the point like where i'm it's it's worse to just remain silent on it I'm like i'll talk about it yeah. yeah whatever what are you gonna do if, if you want to fire me over this we'll have some issues here but i don't think you will yeah, yeah. what are you gonna say rolls I don't know. Um, I probably shouldn't say. I just, I feel like that's a, 
you know, you sit here and you watch our freedom of speech somewhat getting dampened or tamped on or stomped (laughs) on, you know, with with what's going on with the. Yeah. I just, I just. I, I don't know your your situation that well, but when somebody puts you in a position where you feel uncomfortable to speak in your professional workplace like that, I feel like that's hindering your freedom of speech a little bit too. Cause you, you're, you're kind of in a position, well, this is my superior in there and she's wanting to talk politics on my first encounter. Like, like, I don't know. I just see those tactics somewhat coming from, from, the society, the politics we live in in general, people kind of want to put you on the spot. And, and like, I hear so many people say, well, you know, we just need to not say anything. No, fuck that. It's our first amendment. Say what the fuck you want to say and how you want to say it. And, and if they have a problem with that, that's their problem then. And it, it kind of put you in a position to where you're like, well, I don't really want to open my mouth right now. Um, yeah, I, I was nervous about it, but I mean, to her credit, she—I mean, I can clearly tell what her political persuasion mm-hmm. is, but she wasn't like critical. She didn't like badmouth or try to tell me. She didn't try to correct my thinking or anything. She was very professional about that. That's good. Like, and she knew going into it, she's like, well, "I can't ask you about this." And but I, you don't—I don't want a work relationship like that, right? Like, you want to? No, I don't. I don't want the corporate relationship. I want to like, let's, let's see if we can be friends. That'll make our working together way better. Um, it, but to, yeah, but I definitely hear what you're saying. Like I felt like this could turn out poorly and mm-hmm. you shouldn't feel that way. Mm-mm. So you have this crazy theory that you could actually disagree politically yet still work together and be cordial to each other. That's very intriguing, Joel. And that's how I felt, and luckily she feels the same way. Well, good, absolutely, because yeah. that's what we've lost you touch with. That's what we've so lost touch with. Is like, look, we're going to disagree. I'm probably no, I'm fucking a going to offend you from time to time, as you will me, as we do everyone, and we have this weird sense of I don't some kind of moronic utopia that you're never going to be offended again. Well, guess what? That dog don't hunt, son. Like you're you saying that offends me. Like this is called life, you know. And sure, you don't always you don't have full freedom of speech. The classic, you know, you can't yell fire in a movie theater without some sort of repercussions. But um, we've gone well beyond that, and I think we'll probably circle around several times. And even my randomly picked uh, intellectual moment of the week deals with some of this also. Uh, which really made me smile but you know the just because somebody disagrees or says that your opinion might be dangerous uh there's a lot of doors shutting on on those those pathways that have been open prior to and from what i interpret also um in, in a very political manner because um let's just take the the recent example of of you know parlor being taken down off off the internet basically because they said it you know instigated riots and violence and this and that it's like a i don't believe it did uh but b where were you all summer long when people are taking over parts of seattle and burning shit down uh everywhere i i didn't see anything mentioned about taking twitter or facebook or anything else offline because it was contributing to this violence so 
if you're going to have a standard, put it across to everybody. That's that's pretty much all I ever ask, you know. And so it just really makes you sad to see that going that way. And it, it's certainly going to going to cause some shifts. And and you know, I was talking to a couple of buddies this past week, and these sort of conversations come up all the time. And I think I said, you know, what I always picture in my head when we're talking about society or people or freedoms is I picture water because it's going to come up against the dam whatever their problem is and we're going to stop for a while and it's probably going to swirl around and it's going to move back and forth but guess what it's eventually going to find a way to go around or over or under or through what's in front of it and so i keep that in my mind and it, a it definitely calms me down because there's times i want to be on my roof with a scope and other times i'm just like just give it a second to ebb out a little bit and let that deep water mull around a little because um I have still have faith in the general human condition that we've pointed ourselves in this direction for this long and made through multiple times of more honesty, which is not a word, but it is now. And, and so, you know, it's just the hypocrisy that we see, I think it's going to come more to light as we keep moving forward. So I, I know I just rambled on about 13 minutes in a circle, but I just like to keep that water picture in my brain. So um, it doesn't make any better right now though. New information has come to light. This just in, yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, you, you you pretty much touched on everything on that. The uh, that's what she said. Yes, the first one of the year. Good job. The, the the just the narrative and the direction things are going right now is infuriating. And, and yes. if you try to get into any sort of discussion with somebody who has an opposing view they'll t there's the new thing that these folks are doing is they're telling you to stop engaging in whataboutism quote whataboutism i've not heard that one yet <clears throat> like so what you did there was okay they stormed the capital and you're like, oh so but what about well what about antifa all summer like that's whataboutism like so you're their tactic now is to change the rules of debate to where mm -hmm. you are no longer allowed to provide counterpoints. <laughs> That's what they're saying. It's interesting. Yeah. Right? Yeah, completely. Like you can't look at history, you can't put anything in the context. Uh, yeah. So you can't talk to them and they won't let you speak. So I don't know where that leaves us. But we're coming together. That's the key part right now. Yes. It makes me smile. I'm confirmative. Yeah. So. Um, in four years they're gonna be like why don't they reach out to us and talk to us yeah oh yeah that's oh, the last time we tried to reach was. out all right yeah exactly <laughs> it'll hit you before you even hear the fucking sound right Rawls? sorry yeah <laughs> speaking of reaching out and coming together i'd like to take this moment to thank our title sponsor bnk auto salvage they're on again for this year fully committed we can't thank them enough for that uh, Raleigh, can you tell me where B&K Auto Salvage is at? In Baker City in the Grand Oregon. And, in the uh, beautiful Grand Ronde Valley. Correct, yeah, Amundo. Absolutely. Tell them, uh, tell them that we sent them and you want a reach around. You're coming in there for a reach around. Absolutely. Because they have over 1,200 used vehicles in stock and a large selection of 4x4 parts. And I tell you, this time of year, that's what everybody's doing. Because guess what? Your 4x4 could go to hell any time. And sometimes you just got a shop day. So you're going to go get there. Get some stuff worked on. No need to go buy stuff brand new. Run on down to B&K. Give those guys a call. They'll help you out. 
four four, you tell them the reacher sent you and you want to reach around and they'll help you out. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Just wait till we get to our intellectual moment of the week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Lots of no, I think we're... Uh, weekly update. I bet um, I uh, followed. Go ahead. Richard. I think he's on a delay. I'm watching the progress of uh, the auto salvage. Uh, I don't know why. Everything's good on my side. But... That's not but, what she said. Yeah, I enjoy the auto salvage Facebook feed. It's, uh... Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Junkyard Confidential. They're, uh, or Scrap Confidential. They're yeah. No, Bo has always <laughs> been a mover and shaker. Um, a very entrepreneurial spirited person, no, no doubt. I've known him for quite a while. And uh, so I was super excited when, A, he was just a listener of the podcast and it was, him and his buddies would sit around afterwards and talk um, about all the stuff that we wandered through. And so when um, we started talking about a sponsorship, I was really excited to have them be a part of the part of it and be the first ones. And they'll always have that uh, that special special part of this, this adventure. So uh, we can't thank him enough for that. Hey, did I mention, I probably mentioned this already before, but I think it's interesting that uh, my car, when I moved to New York, my mom ended up selling my car to the, to, to Bo. Oh, you did? Oh. Yeah. I did mention that? Okay. Yeah, I think so. Maybe, well, we might've been offline when you talked about that. So I think it's still a great story. Yeah. yeah. You can probably go find a part of it still what right kind there. Of car right was now. It? That was the very first car he ever salvaged probably. Could have been. Yeah. <laughs> what was it, Joel? Uh, it was a, uh 90 probably like a 93 honda accord two-door nice. that i inherited from uh, my uncle ralph the former judge in pendleton outstanding those are, those are made for salvage yards <laughs> oh that was an excellent car had like the automatic seatbelt. oh remember when those came out yeah like check this shit out close the door never read yeah yeah didn't have a They're radio though you suck to be a Honda Civic because you know the end of your life is going to be with Accord. Don't accuse it of being a Civic. It was an Accord. Accord. Jesus, them fighting words, Richard. <laughs> it was a boy car, not a girl car. It was a boy car. <laughs> so the Accord Accord and the Civic is female. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. That was before the Prius transgender. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was the inspiration for the Subaru Outback <laughs> or the, the reinvention of the brand said, let's see if, let's see if we can butch this up yeah <laughs> definitely yeah um what's the deal up? going back to like last week when we were, or two weeks ago <laughs> when we were talking about cool cars from people in high school like American Graffiti and Dazed and Confused like when did people stop was that all fiction? Did people well, always used to have really cool cars in high school? Because when I was in high school, absolutely, we had shit like '93 Honda Accords, and I had a Eagle Medallion hatchback. And <laughs> L Town, even we had hot rods in L Town, dude. Everybody had their project rig they were working on. Like Toes had his his blue Chevy pickup, and and Darby had that freaking was that a Common or something like in a Chevelle, and like everybody, like there was just. We had a drag race in high school. Camaros. Goats and Camaros. And... Yeah, nobody yeah. had a cool car in high school when I was there. 
That's too bad. Yeah, we had we had a lot of good random stuff. Yeah, some of us drove like I had an '88 Dodge Dakota, but I had a '62 or '63 Fairlane I was working on in the side, you know. But yeah, we had we had the uh, Desert Cruisers Drag Club, uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, like that, uh, you know, Dugan out of El Camino, and um, yeah, there's a lot of sweet cars running around there. They're the group that rallied and threw the parade this year. Yeah, I, I had to miss that. I wanted, really wanted to be the. Sorry, Sib. Um, yeah, that'd been cool. But um, that, I mean, that's why I really like Days to Confuse because it it was a pretty close correlation to L Town High School for sure. No, I can remember. There was always a bunch of guys in high school that had good four wheel drives. Um, Chad Courtney, Jason Vichek. Those guys always were driving something jacked up with big old fancy tires on it. And I had a 1990 Toyota Camry, and that son of a bitch could go as much places as the rest of them. I'm telling you what. I tell you what, dude. Yeah, my buddy had a little Mazda B210 hatchback, and we would push snow with that front bumper like nobody's business. Yeah. And it was a hooky bob machine. It had a we had to put a manual throttle on it so you could set the throttle, and we'd both be out behind hooky bobbing behind the car because it was riding in the ruts. And you just little <laughs> orange Mazda, dude. That thing, hammered that fucking car went everywhere, dude. Yeah, that thing was so much fun. Mm-hmm. Ah, good old times. Yeah, definitely. Uh, let's jump back into politics here and raise some blood pressure, huh? Just thinking about it, I don't know. <laughs> We used to like Richard. What's your take on uh, the capital events and where we're headed? My brain's been broke for two weeks. I'm just now finding a sane path to lockdown. So, uh, you know, I haven't really formulated a path forward yet. Uh, I have got beat over not being depressed every day, so that's good. Um, but. Uh, we're going into a new uh, new era. It'll be interesting. Yeah, there, there's about 15 different things going on at once. I'm sure there's half the shit we'll probably never know about. Um, you know, there's so much misinformation flying around, which is one part. Um, you know, the, the capital event. Obviously, everybody's quick to point fingers and condemn. I, I, obviously, I'm not about violence at all. I'm always for peaceful protest. My concern is I don't know who was involved in what they were doing. You always have a, I have a built-in distrust of, of the quote-unquote other side being involved because look how quick it was spun around and put towards the Republican side and and, and really aimed at, at President. Um, all of the, the lashback that he's taken um, because supposedly he incited all this and, you know, and that, that led to all the you know, the banning from Twitter and, and fans only and Spotify and just basically any online service took the advantage of that and it would seem to be very calculated and coordinated event um, for something that, you know, obviously I, I think it's crazy that people are breaking in the windows and going in the Capitol. Um, so you don't know who they are. You don't know what their point was. You don't know what affiliation they are. And even if they are quote unquote on the conservative side, you, you never hold an entire movement accountable by the actions of several people um i mean all the time that's what we're that's the whole point of the system so part of it's like hey hey we need to take a take a path to breaks a lot because i think the the speech that they quote unquote pointed to or the statements that they said that the president made 
that incited this insurrection or whatever, I, I don't see anything in any of those statements that say that whatsoever. And have you noticed that they're not playing that on the news or anywhere? Like if there was a speech where he's like, well, much, I'll give you the uh, whataboutism, you know, when you had all summer long, there's several instances where the speaker is talking about there should be people in the streets and uprisings and this and that. There was nothing like that in any of the speeches he gave or any of the tweets that he said that have been cited for why his account was taken down or all these fingers being pointed. And that's another major problem with this is there's nothing really to back up all the statements that they're making and the claims and why they've done what they've done. And so, uh, you know, again, I don't believe half of what I hear or maybe more. And uh, much like Richard, I've been watching a lot of reruns of Scrubs because it makes me laugh and takes my mind off this lunacy and so you know because i want to be involved but a large part of me says like i'm some a-hole that lives in florida right now that's completely disconnected from dc you know and what can i do that's beneficial what can i do that's productive uh, besides being pissed off and just basically scared that i'm seeing all of our rights squashed and sequestered because we have a somewhat different opinion than than other people even though if you look at some of the numbers, there's roughly half the country that feels exactly the same way that I do, or close to it anyways. And so that's just so concerning to see the basic rights of freedom of expression uh, seem to be trampled on right now. And you can't trust the numbers anyways. <laughs> Precisely. I think that's another, that's that really the foundation of all this is nobody knows what numbers to believe. Nobody knows what story to believe. You believe the one that makes the most sense to you, but and, that, and that started a while ago, but it's been amplified with the beginning of COVID and all the way through that everything we've heard and seen, we just don't buy, you know? And so I think that's a large part of it. And that's, that's a sad state to say where we're at. I think that there's an interesting, it's too bad I, we should have Colby on again. I think that there's an interesting phenomenon that happens in Washington, D.C. is that people like Washington DC or attracted to there like a magnet. Sure. They like the gossip. They like to know they like to be on the inside track. They like to and they uh I think once you get in that echo chamber of Washington DC, you forget that they're it's surrounded by the rest of the United States. No doubt about it. You nailed that. And, uh, yeah. They're just yeah. Anyways I worried about those people's mental health before. I like one of my favorite podcasts before this whole thing was the reason uh, uh, roundtable and they have two correspondents or two editors that spend a lot of time in Washington DC and you can tell that they just that is their entire everything they are is they're just a Washington DC animal that's all they are and but they get good information they got inside tracks and lots of stuff but they play that game and I think that uh that game just gets broadcast to very micro thing but it gets amplified by the press so i'm gonna ramble here for a second <laughs> i'm dropping I, the reins carry on yeah. we should take care of their mental health here first I, yeah anyways uh one time i was in baltimore with my cousins we had a little uh fun weekend and over the sunday that we we're gonna leave on monday and that sunday it snowed 36 that sunday night so snowed 36 inches so we we're trapped in baltimore Anyways, I was working in Cleveland at the time, so I called the guy that's, uh, that I report to in Cleveland. I say, hey, I'm, 
I'm not stuck. I'm going to do everything I can do to get out of Baltimore, get back to Cleveland for work on Tuesday. And he goes, don't do anything. He goes, uh, you're just going to frustrate yourself all the hell. You're going to spend a lot of money and uh, you're still going to get here on Thursday. That's how it's going to work. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, of course I was young and dumb and I didn't listen to him. So I, I did exactly what he said I was going to do. I uh, rode a plane, a train down to DC that didn't work, so I jumped the turnstile, rode the train back to the Baltimore airport, slept on the airport. I had a nice hotel with nice suite with the suite that we'd got that nobody else was going to take because it stayed there. And uh, TV worked, and the heat worked, and they had food. But no, I was a dumbass, and I uh, did this great trans circle world, and then flying, trying to fly to Salt Lake to get back to Cleveland, and uh, I ended up. Uh, the nice lady had just been ripped a new one by the person before me, and I told her I was willing to fly to Salt Lake, and she, uh, she decided that uh, she could get me into Chicago and back to Cleveland. But yeah, I got there Thursday. <laughs> it was a uh, you spin in your wheels in a point like this. So I think that just wait till give it three months, and then see where we're at. And I think uh, I think all this hysteria is gonna. It might not get less, but it might get more channeled and give you a better place to might give you more places to focus your energy because right now there's absolutely nowhere that you can focus your energy that's going to help you be do anything constructive. So yeah. take care of your mental health. I uh, I might I would prescribe everybody uh, um, about two episodes or two seasons of Master Chef. Awesome. Master Chef works great. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I concur. Uh, I'm a big fan of guys' grocery games and, you know, uh, yeah, so. Yeah, in times of crisis, Guy Fieri is the go-to guy. It's pretty handy. <laughs> Cooking at the ranch is really nice. Yeah, I, of course, yeah. I, I think. <laughs> I should give a shout out. A lot of people, lots of, lots of, lots of people look on their nose at Guy Fieri, but, uh, and uh, doesn't get reported very much, but I think he's already raised close to $40 million for restaurant workers since COVID yes. started. He has. He has. So. He does a good job of wrangling those people together. And, and uh, no, yeah, I, I think um, I'm trying to avoid social media as much as I can besides, and when I am on there, I try to put something completely unrelated to any of the current lunacy, if you will. Yeah, I figured you just got, got kicked off. No, I, I probably should have been many times. And I, I still drop a few nuggets, I guess I'll put it that way, but sometimes you just can't help it, you know, like, the guy saying "Ah, men" and "Ah, women," like, holy shit! I mean, I have to. <laughs> sorry, I'm gonna fucking talk about that because that just makes my brain hurt. Like, yeah, it, yeah, it's a, it's annoying, but also maybe I'm the only one that feels this way. But you know, I look at Facebook and Twitter, and everyone is telling me uh, "Ah, men" technically translates to "so let it be." Like, you, did, you didn't know that before, you dumb motherfucker. No, you did not. Nobody I, knew that. I mean. <laughs> Right. I, I will say that I, I did. Mean, I knew yes. it meant. I knew it probably meant something to where all women wouldn't make sense or translate. But don't pretend like you knew what it meant. Yeah, I have a biblical like, background. So translation. I did know it means sopieter in the name of God or something like that. But it has nothing to do with gender at all. And so um, that was my point of like, and I'm like, really? No, you just made it have something to do with gender. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Precisely. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, about the capital thing, right? So in social media, I, I I was texting my brothers and probably even you guys. It was like this is going to be exciting. There's going to some shit's going to go down. I thought it would be shit between like Proud Boys versus Antifa. And I was looking forward to that matchup. It never occurred to me that they might storm the Capitol building. <laughs> but also I was like looking at it, I was like, oh, okay, they're going to do that. And then the narrative started to formulate. Mm-hmm. I started seeing on the news and they're talking like this is an act of terrorism and sedition is a new word. I'd never heard oh, yeah. the word sedition before. You can't. People are jerking off to that word right now. now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, coups. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I keep calling it coop because I'm not even that familiar with the fucking word. But I was surprised by how aggressively they were reacting to it. It didn't strike me. Like people are being very dishonest when they say they attempted to overthrow the government. Yeah. Like they, I, did you see the smiley fucker with the podium? Yeah. Like he, he looked like the sweetest man ever. He was inside the velvet ropes. Yeah, like, totally. Yeah, like, and then the old lady holding the flag, you know, against the pillar. Like these people aren't going to overthrow the government. It's not going to overthrow the government, anyways. You lock those fuckers in that building if you're going to overthrow the government. That's what you do. Like I don't want those assholes going anywhere else. I'm shutting that building off. Is but, uh, what I'm yeah. doing. Seriously, you know what gets me about this whole fucking thing? I'm pretty sure the collective. Go ahead, Rolls. We're talking about probably the most fortified city in the world. Mm-hmm. Are we not? Washington, D.C.? During and Congress. On, and on top of that, the most important day in the history of the United States when it comes to where we're headed yeah. is being discussed that day. And somehow, some way, all these dumb shits get in our fucking capital. Are you yeah. kidding me? I don't buy it for a second. How, how does that fucking even happen? No, that dog doesn't really either. Yeah. It, it just... I, I don't know. I, the whole thing is The just, problem is it's like conspiracy, so it's a non-starter for most people. But I but definitely... How is that even you. a fucking conspiracy? Like, uh, we're talking you're, about... You're arguing against the narrative that's already in place, but you're completely right. It's like, wait a minute. Like, let's stop and think here for a second. Can you really... Well, it's like... Any day of the week, I just can't walk down there and get near that close on a, on a freaking Thursday when they're not even in session. And they already know that there's going to be a million people show up at Trump's rally or whatever they're having for him down there or speech. And and there's somehow the ability for these people to get in and storm our capital. Yeah. I don't fucking buy it. I mean, so the, it's, funny, it's an Occam. The answer is an Occam's razor where like our, where Occam's razor won't solve it because Occam's razor is Right, the most obvious answer is the correct answer. Like the Kobayashi uh, Maru, yeah. So it's a conspiracy because we are, because it looks so obvious that it's a cover-up. They did this on purpose. It was a setup. And it looks so obvious. That's Occam's razor. But also Occam's razor is maybe they're just truly inept. Like that could be Occam's razor too. Like I, I wouldn't be surprised you. if they don't have their shit together. I can guarantee you it was much more scary for the sitting body of our representatives when Davy Crockett stormed the white the Capitol Rotunda and told me he was going to kick all their asses before he sauntered on down to the Alamo. I mean, that? Yeah. that was that was collectively threatening, and I think people feared for their lives. But I don't think that happened here. 
You know, I don't think the guys that the guys that the guys that form the capital this time could even hold Davy Crockett's coonskin hat. But but here's here's the here's my thoughts on what you're comparing it to. The congressmen and women that we would have had in our house in that era would have damn sure held their ground and went and fought right in the middle of the right in the middle of the house. Oh yeah. bunch of pussy ass fuckers run and hide with armed guards and the I don't know the people we have representing us back there in Washington D.C. are a bunch of fucking coals. Sad, my- sad state of who, yeah. Yeah, the hypocrisy and the idiocy and the incompetency are just rampant. There's no doubt about that. And I, I don't think that's exclusively belongs to the party. No. No. No, not at all. That's everybody. All of them. That's why I said if they're I was taking over the government, they're, they're I'm locking that building down. That fucking building ain't going anywhere and I'm taking the government over. Seriously. I've got all those dumb shits in one place. I'm locking the building. I'm cutting all the phone lines. and We're going to do our own thing after that. That's how you take over the government okay so uh, if, if i'm being uh if anybody's having a news flash on that well then you need to get your shit together because if i can figure that out then it's not that freaking specific so you know the fact of busting in there and stealing a podium damn it i've seen enough i've, I've seen enough steven or uh steven seagal movies and uh michael bay movies i know how to take over the capital oh my god yeah <laughs> Yeah, Michael Bay Movie Fest. We're all over that. Yeah, I've seen the Born Identity. I know what the hell's going on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Need an elaborate plan to break into it. Turns out you just walk in. Basically, yeah. So I'm with him. Right, yeah. Yeah. All we course, needed, all that we need, all we needed was the. Ex- if we had the extras there from Olympus has fallen, this wouldn't ever happen. Jesus Christ. Had our chance, yeah. Um, Where's Gerald Butler when you need this? He's probably having a pint somewhere, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I agree. Um, I agree with all that. A, let it settle. B, it doesn't add up. C, is that a conspiracy theory or not? I, you don't know. We'll probably, ne- the sad thing is we'll probably never know. That's what we, we always just search for the definitive answer. And guess what? It's like the fucking insurance commercial with the guy, the fisherman. Ooh, almost had it that time, didn't you? Oh yeah, you're so close. Yeah, you're not going to get it. Sorry, we just can't handle it. It's just what it is. Speaking of commercials, got to say, my new favorite commercials is the freaking progressive guy when he's doing the, the lessons on how not to be your parents when you buy a house. Has anybody else seen those? <laughs> yeah. The freaking hilarious. My God, dude. It's so funny. If you printed off instructions on how to get to my workshop today, you're in the right place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I like those commercials. It's kind of annoying sure. how funny these insurance commercials are, though, right? Totally. They, yeah. I don't they must hire like the best comedian people. It's incredible stuff. They got some good stuff, Maynard. Yeah. So um, are we waited to uh, calm our blood pressure a bit? And should we talk briefly about our, our movie of the week and uh, so we can move through our agenda? How's that sound, kids? Bring yeah, it, honey, bunny. Because we're, we're oh, might, might bring it back to politics. I'm sure it's going to wrap around again. That's the one thing we can always count on. But nice. Who said the honey bunny? Was that Richard? Yeah. yeah. Nice move there. So uh, for those of you who recall from our last episode, we decided we were going to talk about Pulp Fiction. For several reasons uh a i was picking a movie this time uh, b it came to light during our conversation that our mr joel had never seen the pulp fiction 
and and, yeah. and, and R. Um, it's one of my favorite movies, and obviously one of Richards as well. I think we're both pretty big fans of just the Tarantino in general. And so, uh, 1994 is when this was dropped upon the world. Um, I don't think I saw it probably till. 96 or 7 I don't think I saw it maybe 95 but it was 96 or 7 I think the first time I actually saw it and so were you in the Navy then uh, no I was in college we were in college same time Richard yeah 95 on so, so was it not I, a big I, movie when it came out uh not really huge deal it was a huge deal box office we, all, we had to we had to wait we had to wait a week for them to stop uh trying to uh oh, ban we, it South Dakota. That's, I forgot Except about the violence. all the chaotic politicians that were trying to put Tarantino and, and Hollywood for the violence, even though you rarely, if ever, see actual physical violence in a Tarantino movie. You, It's implied very heavily. But uh, of course, when Kill Bill came along, he kind of changed that a little bit. But uh, even then, like you don't really see, like you don't see Marvin get shot in the face, you see the blood go everywhere. And your mind makes you think about what happened, but uh, you know it made it cost about eight and a half million to make, and it's made around two hundred and fifty to three hundred million total since it's it's been out. So, um, like most Tarantino flicks, I anyways I can watch it a hundred times, but every time you watch it, you pick up on something different. You pick up on a connection between another Tarantino movie or an homage to one of his favorite movies as as he was younger, and so. Um, you know, of course, it's probably credited the most with the with the movie that kind of brought Travolta back into the scene. Um, he'd been kind of on the, the death list for a long time. Actually, got Oscar nominated for this movie, and uh, you know, and really sort of cemented Sam Jackson too um, a bit more. In, in, Travolta was just coming off the success of the Look Who's Talking franchise. Very, very much so. Yeah, I think he, he was at the peak of his career. He was really. Um, I think you're the one guy that bought that movie that box set actually and so he probably sent you a handwritten card yeah but uh no and you know ter you know obviously there's about seven storylines all going on at the same time at different points because he writes that way he writes it like a book um i did see one time on youtube when they took it down eventually somebody had gone in and cut it so it's chronological and it was absolutely freaking crazy to watch Pulp Fiction chronologically as opposed to how it's played out uh, when you watch the actual movie. So, so Joel, did you get a chance to watch it? I did. It's interesting that you say it was sev like seven or different storylines going on at the same time. I didn't have that view at all. It kind of it felt like a really well-told, very short story, one short story. It went into a shit ton of detail. Very cool. Yeah. Um, all the. I feel like, like the, uh, joke writers, authors, and writers will tell you that um, to make the perfect book or perfect joke, you go through it and you remove all the fat from it. If you can take a word out of it and it still makes sense, you do that. Um, <clears throat> the whole movie it felt like that like every every bit of dialogue was well-intentioned and good and interesting you don't you don't lose focus for 30 seconds in that movie i totally agree 
Yeah. Ross, did you get a chance to see it? I, I don't know if I agree with that last statement. I fell asleep during it. But um. <laughs> I'm going to put this out there. And I'm just going to say it and get it over with. But if you fucking fall asleep during Pulp Fiction, you must fall asleep during sex. Sweet Jesus. How do you do that? <coughs> I don't know. I was tired and it was Apparently, late. Apparently. Yeah. Okay. I'll give know. you that. Yeah. I watched uh, an hour or better of it anyways. But uh, it, uh, Have you seen it before? Years ago, it's been a long time ago, but very graphic. Just um, in, I feel like in in that uh, era, that was a movie that could have been produced now very easily. And it, he Tarantino was kind of ahead of his time, I think, from in in production. My opinion. But. Yeah, he seems so young because he's in the movie. Um, yeah. He's in all like all of his movies. It seems like right. But he, I didn't see him. In a, I didn't see him that young before. It was kind of weird. He must have been in his thirties when he made that movie. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, because that was '94. That's how long ago that was. Um, so yeah, and it's easily in the thirties. Yeah, but I think I, I like you touched on the writing. I really appreciate the writing. Um, little tidbit: the bad motherfucker wallet that was actually his wallet like that he owned it wasn't like something that was made for the movie like it was his that he gave to sam jackson so oh it was tarantino yeah oh. yeah the car that uh that vance or or, or uh, was driving was actually tarantino's car that got stolen during the production of the movie so the whole premise of the story though by the way it really is about well, what are the two guys' names? Vincent and what's uh, Jules. Samuel Jackson? Jules. So Vincent and Jules are two hitmen. <coughs> um, Jules wants to get out of the business. He's going through an ex- existential crisis type of deal. Yeah, epiphany. Yeah. And then it's like he got out at the right time and then the bad stuff happened. Yeah. So he was correct with his epiphany. Is that the, walk the earth. basics of it? Because a little known, if you put it all together in the Tarantino universe, you know, he said he was just going to go wander and walk the earth. And then in Kill Bill, he's the piano player at the Little Rat's Nest Chapel in Texas. So he's walking the earth. They don't say it's the same dude, but you can make that connection if you want to. That Oh, he did. He went and just walked the earth like Kane. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Lost me on that. <laughs> Have you seen Kill Bill? No. Oh, well, then that's probably where I lost just that part. And I said, well, in the movie Kill Bill, <laughs> in the chapel, he's the guy playing the piano. So, yeah. But uh, now you can look for that when you're not even credited. No. No, but in Kill Bill has my favorite. Not even credited. Of all time. The guy that plays the marshal in Kill Bill and Kill Bill 2 is my favorite guy. Got an old rat shit from Rice Krispies. Yeah, that guy's the best, dude. <clears throat> He plays the. I, uh, I think it's interesting. The point that Joel brought up is uh, their job is to keep Butch in the business, and he's trying to escape. They're trying to escape, and Butch is the one that shields them in the business through by killing Vince uh, Vega. True. Very true. Yeah. Again, that's sort of the weird twist on your brain kind of stuff that he's so well does yeah 
And I think I, I find the most compelling storyline is Butch's. Oh, yeah. I think it's cool. Um, that he, he, you know, supposed to take a dive, goes against it all. The Zed experience. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> See, Bruce Willis got kicked out of a pharmacy today for not wearing a mask. <clears throat> not wearing a mask. Yeah. He, the, the picture I saw, he had a neckerchief around his neck, but he didn't have a mask on. So, yeah. What's going on with him? Was he in Idaho? I'm, I'm fucking Bruce Willis. Yeah. What do you? <laughs> I don't know where he was at. I didn't get that part. Yeah, I didn't read it. I screenshot of that actually to send to everybody, and then I got distracted. So yeah, and I didn't. Even, I didn't even make a connection. We're talking about Pulp Fiction tonight, and then Bruce Willis was in the news today. So I like it. I think that the other interesting part about uh, Pulp Fiction is. It's really the one that so it brought in elements of Reservoir Dogs because mm-hmm. it had the two Vegas. Yeah. So Vince's brother was in Reservoir Dogs. Um, and Michael Patton was actually going to play, play that. Ivory Keitel was in both. Yeah. Mm. But uh, anyways, it's one of the first movies where there's a universe that doesn't necessarily not sequels and stuff that they're independent movies but they share the same universe which since he's done that has caught on and like uh you people find out these weird threads um so if you watch firefly which this is for the real dorks out there it's tied into the alien franchise and there's a several other movies like soldier is also part of that alien the one with oh. uh, Kurt Russell. Yeah. That's also part of the alien universe. So, yeah. yeah. And there's another movie like Soldier that's also tied into it. And it's, uh, but I think that all it's all spawned by uh, Tarantino. One quick so, side note to sure the Tarantino universe that I'll, I just, I just heard and binged in my head today is when Uma Thurman's talking about the TV show pilot she did about Fox Force 5 direct correlation to everybody in kill bill yep which my brain went down the mob so, all names yeah yeah it, it was like oh well crap. the other the it's the most probably the most probably the most analyzed movie on youtube like oh yeah so yeah. many there's so many different conclusions just whatever you meant yeah but my favorite one is the uh the cage with the oh, yeah. glowing light. What's in the and case? I think it's uh, who's Ring Ring? Who's the what's the character? What Mar- Marcellus Wallace? Character's name? Marcellus Wallace. When Marcellus Wallace has possession of the case, he doesn't have the bandaid on the back of his head. When he does have the case, when he doesn't have the case, he has the band. He doesn't have the bandaid. And since it's not shot sequentially, they think that the my favorite theory is that it's his soul yeah so the band-aid represents whether he has a soul or not so that's my favorite i like that theory too. as to what's in yeah. the case i wonder I if that has something like that so i noticed a continuation error maybe you just said this but i missed it but the scene where jules well i think both of them they take the guy shoots at him in the little apartment oh yeah um and all the bullets missed, but like right when they walk in the apartment, all the 
those bullet holes are already in the wall. Yeah. <laughs> did you already say that? No, we did not, but good eye on that one. Yeah. Oh. Oh. So maybe that was like, maybe there's some deeper meaning. Maybe they did that on purpose. I don't know. He doesn't seem like he's a guy that overlooks things like that, but uh, maybe so. Good, good catch. Tasty. Yeah. All we needed was a fresh set of eyes. Also, there was no foot fetish in Reservoir Dogs, but it started in uh, Pulp Fiction with Uma Thurman's feet naked Most on the definitely. dance floor. Yeah. And every film afterwards, and, Tarantino's yep. got a thing for feet, dude. Like every film after, feet. There's a lot of feet. Yeah. That's why I like Uma. YouTube video. There's a YouTube video that's to that uh, four or five sixes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's hilarious. If you don't get a chance to watch it. I think Uma's got sexy feet. I'll give you that. Yeah. Speaking of weird fetishes, did you see Army Hammers into cannibalism? Say what? Army Army Hammer, the actor. I don't know what he's in, but. Oh, yeah. He was the Lone Ranger. Worst grown Lone Ranger ever. Yeah. Yeah, he's a. He's apparently into cannibalism. Oh, okay. How do you I was exactly just talking about fetishes, in, like foot fetishes. How do you get into cannibalism? Yeah, I don't know how you, you cross that threshold, you know, unless you're in the donor party or something, but it's not something like you can just go down to the shop and I'm going to get me a mask and a ball gag and step into that world. I'm going to go, I don't know, harvest a bum and take a finger. Like, I don't know. That'd be interesting. there's a cop in new york city about eight ten years ago that got arrested for uh he was plotting to kidnap this this young gal in new york city to cook her and eat her eat her wow (laughs) i mean crazy uh, yeah crazy people wonderful place you're living in joel they're everywhere. They're, yeah. <laughs> Serve and protect. And hey, yeah. It's the world city. Serve and protect and eat. Yeah. I also... Wow. Yeah. I'm still thinking about the cannibalism and I don't know. Yeah. That's A, how did people, somebody find out? And B, how did he get started? Um, is, does he go cold turkey? Uh, does he go something? I don't know. <laughs> what kind of herbs and spices, you know? He says, "Come over and give me a hand with dinner." Does he really mean give me a hand with dinner? I, I, I'm concerned. Yeah, <laughs> I got a snort out of Mr. Joel. That's outstanding. Yes, <laughs> that's good. Oh, so uh, the once upon a time in Hollywood is supposedly the almost the not the last, but the pre the next to last movie that he's ever going to do. Yeah, that's what I heard. And the one genre he really hasn't touched so far is uh, science fiction. So anybody speculating on what he's going to focus on next? That's going to be spooky. Outer yeah. space. Outer space. I don't know. Either that or this Kill Bill 3. That's the other thing I've heard. But that doesn't seem like a very good way to go out. Oh, that would be interesting. Yeah, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is fantastic. That's going to be hard to top. Yeah. Well, 
I mean, I think maybe my favorite of the whole canon might be Inglorious Bastard. Cousin, cousin, business is booming. Yeah. <laughs> I really like that. I mean, the performance that, uh, what's his name, put in in that one is uh, amazing. The German guy. The German guy, yeah. Yeah, most definitely. This, this is, yeah. And then my other one that I cannot not watch, and I hate myself for it every time I sit all the way through it, is I really like the hate weight. Oh, I don't like that. Oh, they cut money too. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's interesting. Me, I looked at because I looked up Pulp Fiction on Wikipedia real quick, and it was in. Um, so it came out in '94, and the other movies that year that I'm aware of for Best Picture. So that year, you had Pulp Fiction, Forrest Gump, and Shawshank Redemption. Oh wow! All in the same year. Three that's, incredible movies. Yeah, that's mega time. Yeah. Wow. No, it, it, I really, really like the movie. I think it's because I find something new every time. I, I like really most of his movies as it is a whole. But uh, then we start connecting the threads. That's when it goes like extra uber nerd. But uh, I think we're going to stomp this movie for now. If you haven't watched Pulp Fiction, I'd encourage you to. If you've seen it a long time ago, I'd, I'd recommend you watch it again. Um, just because of uh, you might have new light as we move forward. But uh, Right now, it's time for my favorite feature of the podcast, if I had to narrow it down to one, and that's our Far Reaches Intellectual Moment of the Week, uh, brought to you by our good friends at Pendleton Mixer and Cigar, uh, Southwest Immigrant in downtown Pendleton. So uh, do us a favor, roll in there, ask for the shopkeep, tell them you'd like a special double reacher, and uh, they'll give you a good discount for all your mixer and cigar needs. That's Pendleton Cigar and Mixer, downtown Pendleton, Oregon. You tell them the reacher sent you and you ask for the shopkeep. So um, our moment of the week and how I find these moments Man, of the week. I don't recommend asking for the reacher on there. No, go in the back and ask for the double don't, reach. Yeah. Don't get those two special codes confused because you might not like what happens. Yeah. You, yeah. you might too, though. I mean, <laughs> you just might. So uh, ask to go in the back and see where the reachers are kept. Yeah. So. Good God. <laughs> you tell them Pot Roast sent you. Yeah. So. We are not affiliated with the other reach around special offered by <laughs> Pendleton Mixer and Cigar. <laughs> Just full disclosure. Code word is Zed's dead. Zed's dead, honey. Zed's dead. I want a blueberry pancakes. Yeah. That special is actually offered by Mr. T's video in Pendleton. <laughs> Mr. T's video. Oh, goodness. Okay. I'm trying to work through this. I need to maintain. So uh, I have like a random way I go about finding our intellectual moments because that's sort of how we are also. And so uh, this this quote uh, totally came up random. I wasn't searching for anything in particular. But A, it's by Mr. George Orwell. So that ought to raise some of your hair to begin with. And so the quote of the week is, in a time of deceit, telling the truth is a revolutionary act. That is our intellectual moment of the week brought to you by Pendleton Scar Mixer. Blew my socks off when I stumbled upon that particular quote by that particular person, because if you're not fully aware, George Orwell wrote 1984, which many people say we are experiencing 
at this very moment. And so um, despite his severe left leanings at times, he had some interesting insight into our modern world at this time. But again, in a time of deceit, telling the truth is a revolutionary act. So it plays so well with Joel's earlier comment about the, the bit of concern and question that went through his mind about telling the truth about his thoughts and beliefs. We've all talked about that at different times already um, during this podcast and certainly before as well. But I thought, holy crap, of all quotes to show up today, it's that one. So because everybody knows I couldn't be smart enough to go find that one to tie it in. So it's just, uh, you know, meant to be. What, or, what Orwell didn't count on is that Animal Farm and 1984 would ha happen simultaneously. It is quite the uh, convergence, yes. So it's very fortuitous that I found this quote today. I'll put it that way. So the way to drink it, animal, animal Farm as well, Richard. Well done, sir. Well done. I'm not familiar with Animal Farm. Oh, wow. Uh, get it now. We're all created equal. Some of us are just more equal than others. It'll what what grade were we in eighth grade when we read Animal Farm? Seventh grade? Sixth grade? It's pretty pretty racist for a seventh grade to read. I read nineteen eighty four in seventh grade. You, you you haven't even read it and you're calling it it's about racist. Pigs. Yeah. It's about pigs, it's you're, about a farm. Yeah. You guys were in seventh grade in nineteen eighty four. It's like Charlotte's Web. Pretty close, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was ten years old. Yeah. <laughs> You know what? That, you thought you were being funny. A parallel between yeah, I didn't think you were that old. Yeah. I, just, I just I am old. I don't look old. So yeah. You look older than I do. Here's one that'll make you here's one that'll make you scratch your head. So the first <laughs> the first uh the first Apple commercial. Oh yeah. The first Apple commercial was based on So let's draw this, let's play this game. If Steve Jobs was still running Apple, would they be such dicks? No. What do you mean? What? The Steve first... Jobs was a huge dick, wasn't he? Yeah, but he's just a dick. He wasn't like this or what? That's what I'm saying. But... Yeah. Oh, uh, be different. That was the whole, that was the theme of their first commercial. Yeah. Break out of the mold. Be different. Like, if you haven't seen that first commercial, go look it up. No, I've seen it. Well, no, maybe it's on Microsoft's first. No, it's all dark and everybody's marching in line and blah, 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 and somebody breaks the mold and they're different. That's the whole... I saw a spoof on it the other day online. It said, be complacent. And it was <laughs> the Apple thing instead of be different or think different is what their... That was their first motto, think different. <clears throat> yeah, dude, with this censorship blocking people, kicking like the president of the fucking United States off, keeping the Ayatollah... Mm -hmm. Chinese dictators and stuff, they're allowed, but our president isn't uh, in the censorship. They've gone, they have now pulled the trigger on, a, on something that's going to just change everything forever. Like, you can't go back from that now. But that, that's, well, <clears throat> that was far more significant than storming the Capitol. Tremendously, yeah. It's uh, right out of 1984. It's uh, right, think, you know. Mm -hmm. I should read that book. I never read it. You should. You It'll should blow read, your yeah. mind. It'll yeah. carry old toes right now. You think V for Vendetta had a lot of overlap between what's going on now? Like it's, I think they probably had that and saw Alinsky's book laying side by side, and they're like, hmm, check. 
Check. What's so crazy is that for 75 million people, half the country mm-hmm. sees this as such an obvious breach of American values, like an egregious breach of it. And there's not a single fucking institution out there, turns out, that we can fall back on to protect that. And that's an alarming revelation for me. Go ahead, Richard. This will blow your mind. ACLU is defending Trump about the Twitter thing. I hope so. I did see that. Yeah, Yeah. it should be. Absolutely. I think, again, it gets to a certain point, like, wait a minute. As much as I don't like that guy, that could just as easily be me. I think people are starting to realize that fact. And like, um, it was very, yeah. very coordinated. I don't think they are. They will. They're not if really. ACLU is talking in support of Trump, then they're starting to think that way. Um, yeah, but think, think along the lines of being 25 years and younger right now, where all you know is social media. Mm-hmm. You are ingrained to think, I like this, I don't like this. I like this, I don't like this. I they don't understand what their rights really are. No, They're, no, they, it's a, uh, I don't, I don't know. You know, as far as, how do I put this into context? As far as understanding fully what the ramifications of, I mean, cause everybody's so polarized right now from one side to the other. And, and until you've lived long enough to see both sides, or understand what your, your what speech really is. I mean, how do you how do you not? Yeah, a bunch of us do look at it and go, okay, that's wrong. That's that's the wrong thing to do. But a lot of people truly, I don't believe, understand that it is the wrong thing to do. Right. Yeah, that's I don't the doubt it's... their vigor with it. Like they truly believe these things. Yeah. And we, but same with us. We so truly we, believe this, and well. maybe they yeah. feel that way against us, but. We don't know, but you there has to come a point of the human condition where people are just like, wait a minute, this is going to directly impact them at some point because it's going to keep going in that direction. Uh, it, uh, will. it always does. It always they will, but they don't you. see it that way. No, now, but they will. They have to because they're they have a there's a life. There's brain somewhere in there. There's a brain. Um, they're all for it now. Guess what? It's going to come back around. It always comes back around and bites you in the ass when you're like, ha, take that, you bastard. Guess what? Something they like or something they want is going to be impacted and they're going to shit their pants. I guarantee you. It might be a while. It might not think we're even remotely connected, but it's going to. That's just how shit works. It'll so take a war. It. It'll take an active war where they need to recruit Yep. From the pool of people that they've been spending the last six years Maybe so. shitting human, on. Human conditioning has been built up to this for an entire generation. I mean, to, to, to believe in... I, I, I seriously think that the fundamental lack of education that's been in our public school system and the, the ability to have such instant gratification through our devices mm-hmm. and the entire society that we've built that's... T- 30 25 and younger is completely complacent to what's going on right now just my opinion well yeah i I don't doubt that a bit i think meaning people don't understand all that we went through to quote unquote rid the world of communism and socialism and like that was deeply ingrained and taught 
Bay of Pigs, Mao Zedong, you know, Stalin, Trotsky, all these people like that was part of our history that we learned about. And, and God forbid we say it, why America was so great because it was free and that's why people came here. So yeah, they've had two or three generations removed from that where they don't even know what it means and the perils that go down that road, despite the fact that we have modern examples, i.e. Venezuela um, and other places in front of us right now where we've seen this idiocy already happen. Um, but I, I still think also, as Richard alluded to earlier, things will settle a bit because we still have a system in place. And the one thing that we've not heard from yet is the court system, the judiciary has not said a peep about anything. And I know that's coming. And so that's just the natural cycle also. So, you know, we've talked about it a couple of times about this section 230, which gives these online platforms, this loophole, I think, um, it should have been taken care of already, but that's going to come further to light. But um, no, it, it it's not going to happen like we wanted, or probably like it should. But stuff always comes around. So it's all fun and game until fun and game is in good practice, theoretical practice until Piggy dies, and then it all gets really real. Yeah, that's a so I'm just reading a statistic right now that 50.5% of our population is under the age of 30. Yeah, that makes sense. Something to think about. But not all of them are dumb. No, I'm not saying they're all dumb. I'm not, I mean, I'm, I'm just saying that, that their, their way of learning it's completely and, what they, and what they've been learned, That's they've the been told what to learn and not how to learn. 100% I mean, agree. But it's not, um, it's not too late though. That's what I'm saying. Right, but you start thinking about when Common Core was in, introduced. How many years ago was that? And what, two thousand and eight? We're talking twelve plus years ago now. Oh yeah, we've dropped the reins on the whole education system, and that's our fault. Um, I mean, I just the statistically speaking, I, our future looks fairly bleak unless we get a hold of what's what's being ingrained into our society. Well, I always wonder the normal. <laughs> In a normally operating society, you'd have all these people going out in the world and failing. But now the case is, if they're failing, we're talking about just giving them money to make sure they can be comfortable. You're not going to force anybody to figure it out anymore. Oh, no, yeah, that's why I don't, I don't want to so even... I think it's so deeply minimum. broken that we're yeah. screwed. No, well, I still have to ask myself this, and I wonder about it a lot. And I know things look like super shitty right now. Every generation looks at the ones behind them and says, you dumb motherfuckers are never going to get out of your own shadow. And that's been happening since I'm sure the second generation was born. I don't have the ability to know exactly how accurate it is now versus if you look like, like in the 50s and the 60s. Imagine if you were growing up in the 50s and the people in the 60s and 70s came along like how fucking crazy that had to be the way they were thinking and what they were doing and what they were saying. Right. But st statistically speaking, I mean, they said that about every one of us assholes at one point. hundred percent. But st statistically speaking, the, the sheer growth in numbers annually of the world and, and what, I mean, you take a look at what percentage of the world is younger than us now and growing and, and what their world that they're growing up in is changing. I mean, going backwards 
doesn't really seem to be an option on some things. And like Joel, you know what's going to happen in the next. Go ahead. You know what's going to happen in the next decade? There's going to be a, a seventy trillion dollar transfer of wealth in the next decade. Yeah. You think things are squirrely now? Mm-hmm. I mean, the government can't even control that much wealth. I mean, it's uh, that all that stuff has to be managed, and uh, it's been in the hands of the very few remember remaining members of the greatest generation and their children who have hung on to it longer than any other generation in history ever has. And as they shuffle off, there is going to be this tremendous, uh, I don't know what it is, but it's going to be so monumental that like, I don't think that, I think it scares the hell out of the government. It should. It should. But, um, well, that brings us to, uh, well, we're going to thank our good friends at B&K once more. And this is my favorite commercial. They've given me like 10 different commercials to read, but I, I always read this one because it's my favorite. But, uh, you know, as we talked about with social distancing rules in effect, one of the options is you can just call and order your part and pay over the phone. And those good folks at B&K, they'll go out there and pull it and have it available for you to just walk in there and pick it up. Or, and I know you're out there, some of you prefer to pull your own. And that's okay, too. You just come on down and... Uh, have some good old-fashioned junkyard done and tell them the reacher sent you and there you're just going to reach around that junkyard yourself and, and figure things out so that's again our good friends at b&k auto salvage you know they'll pull it for you or you can go down there and pull your own and wouldn't they uh, wouldn't them pulling it for you actually be the reach around it could be it could be that that's the workaround on the reach around actually yeah so so go in there with a smile on your face and leave with one too and tell them that we sent you so um that leads us directly into the far reaches word of the week and this one i did do a little pontification on uh the word of the week from micah is a muck a-m okay a muck a muck you might you've probably heard it all at least once you know we just done run a muck um that's the most common yeah i thought it's it's a, it's you a lost one homeless person uh, what's that joel what is that I was going to say, and a muck is a homeless person in Canada. That's a Canuck. Yeah. Yeah. A muck. It might be a homeless Canadian's called a muck. Yeah. My Dobermans run a muck. I have to go let him out so he can kill something. I'll be right back. Do that. Yes. So a homeless hoser is a muck. Nice. I like it. Yeah. Rawls, have you heard it? Yeah. I mean, you, you, they're, it was often described um, as a child that kids are running amok, um, <laughs> creating disruptive behavior and running amok around the adults. I mean, I, I just find it as um, being disruptive and out of the ordinary. Yeah, I think uh, there's two definitions, uh, a violently raging, wild or uncontrolled manner, which I was definitely acute of in my days of my youth. Uh, B in a murderously, murderously frenzied state, which, as far as I'll admit on the air, I've not been in that before, but definitely uncontrolled manner, uh, a muck. So, yeah, as kids, we were told that I often remember my grandfather or even my dad. This place is just run amuck, you know, they were just disgusted with everything that was going on at the time. So, um, 
I'm like, how do you even, I didn't know how to spell it. I didn't know if it was okay or UK. The definition I found on Webster's is okay. So, which makes me laugh even more because it's anything but okay. So, yes, but that's my uh, far reaches one of the week amok, which seemed to be somewhat appropriate. So, who has movie and word next week? Who wants movie and word next week? I, I don't know if it is my turn. If it, you, so be it. Raleigh? Does it have to be a movie? What's your other option? Well, well, I've recently gotten Story? into this. Yeah, I've, I've, I've recently gotten into this habit of uh, um, getting into audiobooks. Oh, sure. And listening to audiobooks. And uh, I've, I've had listened to a couple of them in the last week. And one of them that I really enjoyed, and it's, it's uh, related to military and whatnot. And I, I actually personally recommended it to Mike at one time here but it it's a book written by a special operator who uh also founded uh black rifle coffee well they didn't necessarily found it but co-founder of black rifle coffee company um an author named matt best um it's it's an it's a fun read it's an interesting read he uh shares a lot of stories from uh well prior to going into the military during and and some of his escapades while in the military, while on leave and whatnot. So um, mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a guy's book. Um, you guys will enjoy it. There's um, it kind of goes into detail on a few of the things that some of what our um, military personnel did over overseas and whatnot. And it's it's uh, it's well worth the listen or read, whichever you prefer. He he narrates it himself, and it's actually oh, better better that way to listen to it. Um, it's called Thank You for My Service. <laughs> and uh, it's, uh he uh, he ended up being a private contractor later on um and then of course they have they actually have a really good uh podcast that they do themselves and they call it uh drinking bros um definitely a fun listen i actually listened to an episode where they had marcus latrell on there oh sweet um, and was there's just some uh fun stuff that this guy it kind of he has a interesting perspective on life um if i could compare him to anybody um it would be neener our buddy steve wells which ironically i believe neener was an army ranger as well yeah and uh that but uh, his outlook and and his uh ways of doing things mm-hmm. are quite similar actually so shit raleigh that's all you had to say yeah yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) but i i think you guys will find it find the humor in it great and the stories that go along with it it's uh if if you guys don't mind oh i think that's a tremendous uh, gear shift and certainly well within our spectrum I, i like that a lot absolutely um but i think i picked it up on my books app and it was like twelve ninety nine for the book or something, but uh, hmm. highly entertaining and well worth the the read or listen. But it, that uh, that would be my recommendation for the week. Joel, for twenty bucks, I'll get it. And I'll what read other it to book? You. What the other book that I read was uh, Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey, and that is freaking right, outstanding right, right. as well. They're both really good books. But McConaughey is so cool. 
yeah and and honestly if if this book deals something we'd be interested in doing later on that that's another one that would be fun for everybody to take hey, a listen we're to. starting out 2021 man maybe we shift gears for this year we do books instead of movies so it's there's uh yeah. it's kind of fun maybe uh, we'll write a poem joel can, joel wants to write a poem i think or he's song. uh, joel wants to write joel wants to sing us a we song can, we, write songs and shit so we, we can barely get my youth back out and take that yeah, up again. I think I think we, might, we might we might stretch a different part of our brain this year i think i'll tell you what this season far reaches i will do i will be able to learn and recite the uh <clears throat> what's that the star spangled banner I'll do that. You, you, you know, actually, all the, all the stances. Yeah. It's kind of funny that you mention the uh, instrument because in that book of the McConaughey's, it actually talks about an incident where he got drug off to jail, buck ass naked for playing his bongos too loudly one evening. And I remember that. Yeah. uh, He tells the story. He narrates his own book as well. And so sweet. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun to listen to but um, that's awesome yeah, yeah. anyhow Definitely that's are. that was that's my perfect. idea for... i love the gear shift hells to the yeah and that uh so we're all over that for the next week next time we i say next week it's average every week week and a half but we'll just get our feces grouped down a little bit better uh but yeah we'll be talking about that book uh thank you for my service by matt best is the book we'll be talking about so if you're out there uh listen to it read it um I know a lot of you guys, I get feedback. Um, people love to go back and even listen to some of the older episodes. We just had, I had feedback this week that somebody was having a shit day and she went back and listened to uh, one of her favorite episodes on the drive home and it really put her in a good mood. And I was like, man, you had a really shitty day. I'm glad, I'm glad we we're there for you. So um, nothing else that makes you feel better about yourself. You know, like I used to watch Springer when I was on my lunch break in grad school and it made me feel really good about my problems because they weren't near as bad as I thought. So yeah. um, that'll drag us right into our final session for this episode. The uh, What we learned, and sometimes we have to struggle for that, and that's okay, but uh, don't put too much pressure on yourselves. This is really more of a wrapping up, sort of end on a high note, if you will. Um, and then comes, obviously, best thing of the week right after that. But uh, Joel, what have you learned, my good sir? Uh, well, I learned that I was looking at eastoregonian.com and I learned that there's a author that a historic author that wrote a book about the history of the Rivoli Theater. And then he talks about the just general history of Pendleton oh, in cool. the book. Uh, so I've learned I want to I want to get that. <laughs> Learn more about Pendleton. It's a noble pursuit. Yes. What I read is like at one point in Pendleton, there were 90 theaters. I and picture it a lot like Tombstone. It's a lot. Ninety. Ninety. Wow, where'd they, they put them? Four houses or theaters? Was that during Prohibition? Yeah. Well, Maybe they had a at very the high wide definition of a theater, I guess. Hey, I gotta go check height. on uh, check on something. I'll be right back. Yeah, at the height of Pendleton's party days, I know that there were, uh, I believe it was eighteen bars and thirty-two bordellos at one time. So, um. But 90, I wonder where they put them all. I mean, that seems like yeah, a maybe, lot. But. It does seem like that. Maybe he was talking about maybe there's been 90 total. But it could be. That would be a weird statistic. Yeah. Why would we care about that? Okay. No, there, it was there's East Oregonian. Actually, maybe it was a typo. It's just nine. 
Yeah, that could be. <laughs> the editor got away from themselves. Yeah. Huh. What the, uh, it, it looks really good, though. Sounds like it. How about uh, Richard? What's your uh, um, what did you learn for the week? I've been learning a lot about living with a three-year-old. <laughs> no, it's everything that everybody tells you it is. I uh, often wonder what happened to the gentle two and the half-year-old that I had. And that is, uh, and he's uh, no longer exists. Has been taken over by a very uh, savage younger child. So. What? Uh... But, uh, no, it's been fun. Uh, yeah, I think. I think that I think the biggest shock is uh, he's beginning to have opinions about stuff. So, uh, yeah, it's an interesting uh, part of life to explore when your field has an opinion about different things that you're doing. So, they are a lot, lot more. All of a sudden, they become very observant, and uh, we got in trouble for. Casual use of the F word for the babysitters. So uh, <laughs> we've been having to uh, rein in some of our. Uh, I don't know if you'll be able to hang out with some of the hands for a while, but uh, <laughs> uh, it's casual use. Pretty good. Of the, F the F word and damn, yeah, and damn it. <laughs> so uh, we didn't. We kept our heads up, and uh, so. Yeah, uh, no, but having a kid to kick, uh, as much fun as everybody said, and uh, yeah, three's a interesting time. <laughs> you think it's terrible twos, huh? Well, watch out for these tremendous threes. Just hang on, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, there's a there's a Pat Green line. It's about being married, and you it says uh, you'll argue about things that you never thought you'd argue about in your entire life. And that should be written for a three-year-old because <laughs> my wife and I argue, but um, logically, keeping up with a three-year-old is far more difficult than your average marital disruption. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah. This sounds uh, fun. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, Michael, what did you learn? What did I learn? Um I learned when I think that shit can't get any crazier, that <laughs> it certainly can. Um, so it's somewhat entertained from a completely removed third-party perspective. Sometimes you're just like, I'm just hanging on. I'm taking another wrap and see what happens next, really. Yeah. What about you, Ross? Well, you're, luck you're lucky. Florida's like the cockroach of the world, so it'll be the last place standing. Yeah, I'll be driving a Dodge Dart. And uh, yeah, only things left cockroaches and dodge darts. So, <laughs> what do you got, Rawls? Um, I think there's been a lot of things to learn a lot about in the last week. Um, probably the one of the key takeaways that, and it was through the the podcast I watched on that uh, Drinking Bros I talked to you guys about, and and the. Um, Marcus Luttrell, who we've all know his somewhat of his storyline, you know, the lone survivor and whatnot. He was a, he was a guy that was uh, deep into uh, uh, reconnaissance in, 
the, one of the most highly trained special ops guys in reconnaissance. You know, that's what those guys do. They, they go watch people. They go observe things. They, they pay attention. Well, through his fame, he's um, found himself throughout the United States on speaking engagements and, and mentoring and, 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 you know, motivational speaking. And if, I don't know exactly when he did that last podcast with them, but one of the things that he had to say was, you know, I'm, I'm trained to observe and watch people and, and, and know what they're thinking and what, what they're, where they're at. And he says, I travel all over this country and see everything from everybody and everywhere. And at the end of the day, um, with the way the constitution's made, we're all still under one hat mm -hmm. and, and through all this, um, that people aren't nearly as far apart as what they seem to be right now. And that was hit that statement really struck home with me. And I learned that, uh, you know, step back, take a look at things and don't get gobbled up in all the garbage, but, but pay attention, mm -hmm. you know, I didn't agree and more. Yeah. And in coming from someone who with his background and, and you know, how, how that developed and what he said, it, it really struck home. In fact, I would recommend if people get the time to, to, key onto that podcast and that episode in particular and just hear what he had to say it was there was a lot to take from it so i'm a big fan of marcus but, but that's what i'll use for my learning moment of the week i like it and i'm going to be selfish and and start with best thing of the week um two of my really good friends kurt and jenny hendrix had their uh their little girl uh, emily i think I should know. I just call her L, Emily. So their first child, she's healthy and happy in their home. And so uh, I think she was even technically the first New Year's baby, even though she was on the fourth or fifth, I believe. So uh, anyway, shout out to them, to Kurt and Jenny for bringing a little bundle home. And uh, that household will never be the same again. So it's good to hear Richard's story about the, uh, the three-year-old boiling around the house. That'll give him something to look forward to as well. So uh, but excited to go uh, get a chance to to meet her sometime, but uh, seen some good pictures and they look like they're, uh, they're having a blast. So congratulations to them. I'm going to piggyback on that since you stole my best thing of the week. And it, that's why I went first. I knew it was yeah, coming. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, you know, I've known Kurt for years and been a really good friend for a really long time. And, and Jenny and him couldn't be more well paired <laughs> and it just tickles the shit out of me to see the joy that's ahead of them in life. Yeah. And uh, I couldn't be more happy. So that's definitely the best thing of the week for me as well. Joel, no pressure. What do you got? Uh, <clears throat> no, congrats to Kurt and Jenny. Uh, I don't know. I, this weekend I went up to the Upper East Side, saw my aunt. Cool. Um, hadn't seen her since like February. Oh, shit. Yeah. So, yeah, that was good. A little family visit. Nice. What, uh, when you say Upper East Side, what exactly does that mean? I'm kind of a bonehead out here in Eastern Oregon. Uh, well, the island of Manhattan is, <clears throat> there's a, and right in the middle of it, Central Park. So anything to the right of it is the East Side. Anything to the left is West Side. And then there's Midtown is below it and the Financial District's below that. Um, Upper East Side would be up there at the top of the park on the right. Okay. Nice place. Cool. Well, below below 96th Street, and then you start getting into Harlem. But on Harlem, very cool. Yeah. 
What did we learn about Richard this week? That he makes a cocktail that sounds like he's falling down the stairs with a, I don't know, bucket of rocks and a concrete mixer. <laughs> Richard, we can still hear you. What's your your best thing? Sorry. I don't remember that. It was too cold outside. Oh, oh best thing of the week? Yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Uh, usually it's usually the other one's the hardest. Uh, oh, we got a we had a pretty good. Uh, our calves did pretty well on a sale, so that was pretty. I guess that was last week, but yeah. Your story, Everybody's you can tell it how you want, man. Getting out of here. Yeah. The, 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 all the calves are going to their homes, Idaho and Nebraska, and wherever they. Oh, some are going to California, but they'll be out of here, and we'll. It's a focus on doing the cow calf stuff, and so it's, uh, it's always nice. So outstanding, best thing of the week. I love it. It's perfect. I'm, my mental framework, my mental, my mental, my mental perspective will be better by the next podcast. It's one of those. It's one of those flows, man. We're gonna be able to look back on this and be like, remember that fucking chaos? Yeah, tried not to. Yeah, so it's. These moments frozen in time. Yes. So, but uh, no, I'm excited to kick off the second season. We appreciate everybody's uh, support thus far. I appreciate all you guys putting up with our schedules and, and always coming prepared to go kick some ass and just have a good conversation. I think that's what uh, constant feedback is. I get, it's like, I really appreciate it. It's just four a-holes sitting around talking like quote unquote normal people would. And so uh, we're going to continue to do that. We're going to, expand back i think a bit more into some of the basics of beef and agriculture again also i think that'll be a good refresher for everybody we've talked about it a couple times but uh, sort of part of our foundation i think was to help spread some of that light so i hope we can circle back on that in the coming episodes and maybe pick a segment and we can just talk about cow calf from top to bottom um, and talk about stockers and talk about feedlot and, and different segments maybe i think in and, and even dig a bit into more in the grass fed and grass finished, natural, et cetera, if we want to start um, splitting those and, and go that route. So I think it's just good to get some more general information for folks to, to grab on. So if you've got questions, not only around that, we'll always offer our stock advice and Loveline is for sure open again this year. So I get those Loveline questions coming and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get those, uh, Bat it around a bit, so if you so to speak, and make sure uh, show your support to our good friends at B and K, and at uh, Pendleton Mixer and Cigar, and, and go ask for the Reach Around Special, and they'll hook you up and uh, treat you right. So uh, that's all we can ask. But uh, for all of us here, Far Reaches, we're going to wrap up this episode and hope everybody's having a, a good week. Stay tough, stay true, hang on. Uh, it might get more Western, but we're going to survive. So uh, we'll all be back soon and talk to you then.